Welcome to the Experience Oriented Fitness Podcast, where we explore how our experiences can be a powerful source of insight into how we create fitness results that last a lifetime. On today's episode, I'm joined by Coach Adam Miller for part one of a two-part conversation where we discuss our coaching journey together while Adam was my coach, our coaching philosophies, as well as our views on current trends in the fitness industry. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Experience Oriented Fitness Podcast. I am here with my first guest ever and um, I'm very happy with who it is and honored to be doing this with him, uh, Adam Miller. Say hi, Adam. Hello. (laughs) And uh, so the reason that we're doing this podcast is a little bit unique um, in that Adam is my coach. And if you've listened to the prior podcasts, I walked you through all that I've kind of gone through in my fitness journey. And I didn't name any of the coaches that I worked with, but Adam was the last one and the one that actually kind of straightened me out and got me on a good path for my fitness. So he's the one that I referred to as brilliant and not the other ones. (laughs) We got to make that clear. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. But yeah, um, of course. And so Adam is a coach and educator with N1 Education. Of course, you've heard me talk about them as well. Um, And he's an accomplished powerlifter and powerlifting coach and also a close friend of mine as we've kind of worked through and developed a relationship with all this training. Um, But I'm going to actually turn it over to Adam to introduce himself and let you guys know a little bit about him. All right. Well, thank you, Caleb. So My background initially coming out of college, actually I spent the first 11 years of my career actually working with athletes, so being a strength and conditioning coach. So I have that background from academia. So, you know, when you're a strength and conditioning coach, you're usually like teaching classes in undergrad and working with undergrad, probably hoping to do some research and things like that. So that was my initial background is wanting to work with athletes. Then, believe it or not, I got turned into the general public, and I started to see like the general public needed a lot of help. You had a lot of people who wanted to exercise correctly, but all the people that knew things were already working with a lot of good athletes at the time. And you're like, what's wrong with some having some knowledge in like the general population field. So I actually got drug over by uh, Joe Bennett, who's actually known as hypertrophy coach online on, on Instagram. And he said, what's wrong with having some good coaches for just the general population. You should come help me out in Florida. Well, so there I left and I started to work with the general population. And also in that time, I fiddled around with like physique sports too. being down in Florida. It's very easy to kind of fall into that. So kind of got a niche into working with physique sports. So I work with people that want to get on the bodybuilding stage too. So from powerlifting, you know, so I have athletic background and academia background and then into powerlifting and into bodybuilding and physique sports and into the general population. So I will say a little bit uniqueness in my background is I, I've got, I wear a lot of hats throughout my day and I still try to work in all of those populations. It's, it gets difficult sometimes, but I have a lot of background in a lot of those areas. And I try to use all of that, everything that I've learned to build like a system of coaching people with that, you know? So that's my original background, and, and I met Coach Kassam down in Florida, and that's where we helped develop a gym together and then in one together. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, you've been on uh, – you've had quite the career and quite the journey to kind yeah. of come through here, and now you guys are doing some pretty cool, like, stuff for us, like physiology and biomechanics and exercise nerds um, you know, at N1. And- 
you know, I have to say this. Like, I was trying to tell somebody like, when they ask what in one is and what you're doing, you're kind of like, well, <laughs> I ba- basically, you know, with today's technology, mm-hmm. that we can, we're trying basically to rewrite the book kind of, of human, human anatomy and biomechanics and how to really look at some things. And we're asking some questions. You know, why is it, you know, like, why can certain people go do certain exercises and they, they just don't have any shoulder pain and they just get great results? When I seem to do that machine, why does my shoulder hurt? I've been set up on that thing so many ways. What's going on there? So we start to ask these questions and, you know, like, how are things really working? Does that machine really do what it's supposed to do? Hmm, really doesn't. You know what? Let's go even deeper than that. Does the bicep do what we think it does? You know, mm-hmm. so we ask yeah. those questions all this is the like time. Fitness existentialism. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it yeah. is. And and we and nowadays, and we we really dug deep into it. We go, wow. Coach Castle looks looks at all the research, and we say we have all these this new technology, but yet we're still kind of using old biomechanical models, right? Like Da Vinci models <laughs> type things, and we're like. We better take a, another look at this stuff with new technology. So, you know, we, we have all the dot, all the, fun, the gadgets and gizmos you can do to measure a muscle, you know, from the nervous system to the metabolic activity. And we put it on that muscle and we say, what does it do? And I tell you what, when we started that a couple of years ago, three years ago, we went, uh-oh, yeah. hmm, that doesn't do what we thought it does. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and it's, I mean, we could talk about the validity and like all of the kind of things that go on about what n1 is and what n1 does we could do that for so long we could do a podcast on that yeah yeah but the one thing i will say as a coach who uses n1 principles and i mean first of all i'm gonna say that i stick pretty closely to them Mm -hmm. but secondly i want to say they are principles they are not guidelines or rules we are using principles and you know adam's kind of talking and i made the joke about fitness existentialism and it's like your coach who uses N1 isn't going to like talk about the existential crisis that they're having about what the biceps do, but what it does by the time it's distilled down to the coach level where they're going to engage with the client is it completely shatters the paradigm that we're working in for program design and how to treat people. And to me, it's created a truly holistic approach. And so like with this podcast, it's kind of experience oriented. We're dealing with the experience of fitness, but I just want to be clear that like, you know, it sounds super technical and crazy, but this N1 stuff is like a fundamental part of what I do. And it's a fundamental part of what I think many coaches need to do. Um, So I kind of wanted to touch on that because you know, it is so relevant once it's distilled to the coach. Mm -hmm. Whereas it feels like when we talk about um, what's the bicep doing, maybe it's not, but it is, right? So it's kind of funny that way. You know, and I I will tell you too, within one, and I want to say that's the name too. And 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 one of our key principles, and I want people to understand this, in one is the power of one. Yeah. And when you're building anything that you're a program, a nutrition plan, anything that you're thinking, and I'm basing this decision on one person, on this person. And let's even take, for example, in one, I want to do everything by the science and theory, but it just so happens that Caleb's gym that he works out at, it has one machine that's upstairs and downstairs, and I can't use those in a certain way because of that. That throws the whole scientific theory out. But since I'm writing this program for you, I can be like, how else can I get this done since I know there are one's, one's upstairs, one's downstairs, you know, really getting into the details of the person, 
and working with the individual. That overrides everything. That's the most important, any, any scientific theory. Well, this paper says that. Well, Caleb's gym doesn't do that. Or that doesn't work for Caleb. So we're going to go another route. This is how we're going to do things. N of one. You can give me all the papers and research you want, but I have Caleb here and we've tried that and that doesn't work. So I'm going to think of another way to get the job done. N of one. Yeah. That's the name. And that's, that's exactly the principle of it too, is that's what I do in my, you know, practice as a coach with everything is it's, we start with an evidence base of, you know, all the research, all of these things that we know are the right things to do. But then through that, you apply like an evidence-based thing. We're going to get, we're going to eat this much food and we're assuming we're in this amount of calorie deficit or whatever. And then we take data and we do check-ins and we extract all these pieces. And then we have out of that, your data, right? Because, you know, the evidence-based is compiled of a bunch of individuals and then they do statistical analysis on all of that. And we don't know where you fall exactly. And that's kind of a principle that I've taken from it too, is that we can literally work to boil this down into something that really works for that individual person. And it starts, the evidence points us in the right direction and we use it because we know that it's got a really high likelihood of working, but then we extract through taking that person's data, right? And it's kind of like going from in your example, that person's data was that the gym has a machine upstairs and a machine downstairs, and we need to create something new that works for that person based in that context. And it applies very broadly. And that's the beautiful thing about principles in that way. Well, you know, even Caleb, let's even, let's, let's even talk about this then say, for example, for people with nutrition is hard. (laughs) I think people forget to like, as a coach, you're sitting here and let's 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 look at these two different personalities. I am a coach and I have devoted my life to this. I have studied degrees. All, all my spare time is probably something in in this field, right? So I have passion for the gym. It's easy for me to go and work out and like if I want to do this to my body, I got to eat this certain way. There is no need for motivation for me. I have it. And we're trying to deal with people where that's not their sole goal in life, right? And so you, you got to be able to work with those people in that same, oh, you don't want to work out two hours a day. What do you mean? You don't want to work out two hours a day. Like I work, come on. Like, you know, so you're trying, you're, you, sometimes you have these people that are, you're, it's two totally different conversations and personalities. You're like, because you're like, you got to think about who you're working with. Okay. So when we take like nutrition being hard and it takes a lot for people to die, I don't want to count. What do you mean you don't want to count your food? Like you don't count your calories. You don't want to get in my fitness pal and you don't want to do all that stuff. That's like that diehard. Not everybody's so passionate and into this like you are. So you've got to figure out a way for this person to count with the way that they need to count that fits them. So if it's like this size of protein and this much carb, that works for me. What's wrong with that? Oh, the side. It works for him. This, I need this much carbohydrate. And let's talk about what a carbohydrate is and what's a good carbohydrate and what's bad. Or if there's, you know, what's a good or better choice than others, maybe not good and bad, but what's better than others. Let's do that kind of stuff, you know, and you're really working on that's how they're going to count, you know, or even that, that's, that's the end of one approach, right? And then trying to make those, is a lot of people get hung up. Like, they're so passionate. Like, what do you mean you don't count and do all this? I was like, he, they don't, they're not like you. They don't study this stuff and like watch bodybuilding shows for fun like you. Get out of here. Exactly. Like, you know? Right. 
And that's the the thing is it's it's very hard for a coach to I think that there are a lot of coaches out there that want to impose their experience onto another person. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, this is what worked for me. That's kind of the very rudimentary thing. But I think that people also will go through like, okay, these processes, this, like it, it really boils down and you can see the coach's personality and the way that they think and the way that they've experienced things infiltrate every single part of it. And I actually think that that can sometimes not work for people because, you know, even if I run the process properly this way and it's like, oh, I'll show you all these time management skills and all this shit. It's like, okay, but what if that's just not that person's kind of thing? Exactly. And, and that's where, you know, the whole experience oriented fitness is born from. And, you know, I know, I knew that we would have a great conversation because I know like when we actually would have mentor calls in the past, they would just go in every direction. Um, but I had kind of wanted to discuss too and, and bring people in kind of behind the curtain of like our coaching relationship and talk about these principles through that lens because, and if you've forgotten, Adam, I'll let you know, uh, when I came to you, I think it was 2019, I think I called you in like March, I had applied for N1. And at that time, I remember I was on vacation, and I'd found the N1 training site. And I was like, Oh, man, this stuff is the best. Like, these guys are awesome. And I'd like stumbled on it through the Poliquin stuff. But at that time, if you recall, I was in a pretty like, dark place for, from fitness. Um, previously destroyed by another coach and coaching company and approach and um you know pretty scary you came from you came from a person a place too that was emphasizing a lot of like transformations in a certain amount of time too exactly and, and yeah. i and the first thing i actually tell you told you too because i believe that honesty we just talked about this just a few minutes ago Honesty is key. And I think even from our initial phone calls, I was telling you, if you want these kind of results in 12 weeks, you're talking about the wrong coach. Because I could tell immediately, too, that there, there's a complete overhaul in, like, total attitude that we towards fitness and food that we needed to fix right away. There, My first thought, too, Caleb, because we also met at practice. You came to Texas to one of our great practicals that we were hosting at uh, Hidden Gym in Allen, Texas, by the way. Yeah, great gym. And that, <laughs> great was, gym. that was, like, a, not even a month into our coaching. Yeah, that you came down there. And I just remember even in those those conversations and those initial talks that we had and everything, it, never in my mind did I go like, okay, we're going to start counting calories. And this that wasn't even an initial thought right there when I first met you too, well, right? Go ahead. Sorry. And sorry, I remember too when we were first going, um, you were very clear about your limitations from the perspective of nutrition mm -hmm. and you were very clear with me about what I might need to do. And I actually did end up doing it. You had mentioned that I would need to go see a psychologist or something like that if things were moving in this certain direction. And I think that they did actually get to that point mm -hmm. in the early goings first month or two. And then I did end up going and seeing um, a therapist and, and working through that side. And that was helpful, I think, to kind of get the ball rolling but I, I actually want to talk a little bit about that is when I was coming in and exhibiting these things and you had said like there needs to be a complete overhaul to my kind of attitude towards fitness um, and eating and stuff. I guess two questions. One is 
what was, what were the things that you think needed to be changed or like what kind of attitude can we have towards fitness that's going to, you know, improve our relationship long-term? And then the second question is, where do you, I guess what kind of drove you and what experiences led you to feeling confident as a coach to kind of draw that line of, because I find it's actually the kind of epitome of a good coach or like the pinnacle is the better word is when you acknowledge what you don't understand. Can, can we actually start there? Is that okay yeah. if I kind of answer yeah, in reverse? Okay. Yep. So if you would go back to the beginning of the podcast, I talk about my background Mm-hmm. And I really draw on my background to and really try to pull a complete, like everything that I've learned together. And one thing I would tell you when working in collegiate sports and working with athletes, you have a network and a, such a fantastic team of people that are trying to work with these young women and men. And you have strength coaches and you're like, we study and we get master's degrees and all this stuff for years, seven years, six years of education, seven years for some. <laughs> for, for some of us, you know, to get the education and we study how to train these people. Mm-hmm. But when they come in and you have a network, so you have a coach, it's like, I'm just here to make you bigger, faster, stronger, make you more resilient to stress and all those things. But there are other, there's a whole other building across campus that's called like the nutrition building. And there's people that study and get PhDs in that stuff. And they were on our team. So as athletes would come in, and especially young female athletes because of just their, 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 the way that they view themselves and at that level, you know, going to school, they would come in and they would really be struggling with food and things like that. And you go like, you would be taught the, the, the warning signs of things going off. And you're going, hey, you need to use somebody else as part of my team. And, I, and I, so I learned that from a very young age in doing this stuff. Like I had a network of people that I could t- send kids to. And I found out, that it's no different in the general population. What was really distressing to me that there there are people out there. There are very few, by the way, coaches out there. If anybody listens to this podcast, whoever hears this, whoever hears this, I will just tell you, there are there's probably a handful of people in this entire world that can run up that they themselves know everything that they need to know to help you. Like they run as the strength and conditioning coach, the team doctor, the nutritionist. The co- There's not many people out there that can do it all. I will say my dear friend and co-founder of N1 Casim, I would put him up there. He knows, yeah. <laughs> right? But, you know, as a coach, so in working with general population people, I see like other coaches out there that are like, I do all of this. And I'm like, how can you? know all that like that's not possible like that that's way too that's that's impossible that you're an expert in all of that by the way everything that you say that you're doing and in my old background i'm like that's like seven phds worth of knowledge there are very few people out there that can do that so as a coach knowing your limitations sorry that's becoming more of a problem too right now yeah it was like it was for example i am not a gut microbiome expert I am not, no, you're not. but I know no. the warning signs of what's going on. I'm like, Hey, we need to call in some help. I even went to a course once on gut microbiome. I'm like, I'm going to figure this crap out. And I sat there for eight hours and the pamphlet was huge. It was like 300 pages. And I went, Oh my God. And, and they weren't done. And I'm like, they still have more stuff. And I'm going, this is a whole other field. Like this is a whole nother three years of my life studying. This is a really deep. So to say that I can fix the gut microbiome, get out of here. Like, but there are coaches out there that that play that, that do that, and they, they try to wear way, way, way too many hats. You know, if you are a coach out there, just tell them, like, what you are good at and what you, you know, this is what, what I'm familiar with dealing with, 
right? And when you were presenting signs, like I had all the warning signs going off of like your attitude towards food, even fear of counting. Remember that fear of count. This just the fact of counting was not an, like, or even not even counting, like weighing your food, Caleb, monitoring your food was a stress. Like being like, yeah, it's how many burgers did you have, Caleb? It's like, that's tough to say. Well, and then also a fear, what, what, what leads people down. And I am not an expert in this, but I know the signs. And when I start to hear people that they eat something and they literally would just in their check-ins, they start to beat themselves up so negatively. I'm going, this is no good. Like you can't be thinking this way after you, just because you had a burger, give me a break. Like you can't be beating yourself up like this. And it just would, and then that just would lead to one thing over the other. And you're like, it was just like more negative thoughts, more negative thoughts, more negative thoughts, just because you overate on calories. Like that, that, that was really detrimental. And it would affect workouts and just the mood of the day. And I was like, this, this has got to stop, you know, the, the attitude towards food and you hear it, but also like towards exercise, you weren't this way, but some people would see exercise as a punishment. So they'll over, if they overeat, then they will punish with exercise. That's a big thing. There's a lot of warning signs here. Like we got to fix this. No, 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 no. Yeah. So that, that, that kind of stuff. I remember going through that. And so early on in my career is when I really learned that you will get more respect and you have to learn that there are people, there are things that people know more than you and you're going to have to call in help. You will have to call it. You know what you know. Your clients will respect you more. And there are signs, you know, it's sometimes right now too people play around with hormones and things like that online and things like that got, that gets scary and that like based on like where i kind of focus on and like you know you were saying like you are interested you were interested in the microbiome and how that impacts things and like for me my kind of split interest is around psychology mm-hmm. and and that and even those people that are doing dealing with hormones and dealing with gut microbiome are it's not that they are there's another group of people that are dealing with psychology. It's that those same people are dealing with all three of those things and trying to claim. And the thing is, if you mess up what you're dealing with in microbiome, that's a mess. And if you mess up what you're dealing with, with hormones, that's a mess. And same with psychology. And so there's a lot of hubris that, that comes. And I think that people think that when they acquire knowledge, it's just an expanding field of what you know. But in the reality is when you acquire more and more knowledge, the edge of what you know becomes more solid. Or like you're saying, it narrows you. It narrows, you know, and more and you, more about less and less. Yes. And that's you, what it the is. one thing that you acquire the most knowledge on when you really have mastery is where you don't know. Like when you've crossed the line of, I no longer know this. Yes. This is out. Like I know that this is outside of my scope. I knew sitting in that course and I came out of that. I was like, this is well beyond me. Yeah. I have no business being here. Even you with a lot my, then. Yeah. Even <laughs> yeah. playing around with functional medicine and getting into functional medicine. When I say home, like running Dutch panels, running blood work. And as much as I would study and even have help, I have really good network. Get to a point with a client where you're like, I am deep down this rabbit hole and mm-hmm. I've got myself in this position to where I, I have an idea of what's going on, but now I am stuck because I cannot do what I need to do. Meaning like this now needs a prescription. I know that now through all my testing, even though as a trainer, I'm just telling you what I probably knew about six months ago, you probably need to go see your doctor and talk to them. 
Yeah, and you're like, you know, like this sounds kind of like a doctor thing, right? And the bad thing is, is there's really bad doctors. <laughs> so they lean on it. A trainer is such a triage, you know, you're, you're triaging life as a coach. You, you're triaging life, right? And I, and I think that's another thing that I get really, and, I'll, and I, I don't want to, I, please understand, I, I, I have lots of great co- conversations with Coach Kassam, so I don't want to say that he, he thinks this way. But in our conversations, Coach Kassam has such a good brain for and a creator of N1. Um, he, he has such a good brain for so many things. And he, even in functional medicine, and he's like, you know, you have things like functional medicine and you have things like people that need uh, hormone replacement therapy, like TRTs. Okay. And you have some people that need, um, like they need to go to, <laughs> they need to go see the doc, whatever. But those are psychology. Okay. Those are areas of lifetime study. And to think that we can just kind of graze over and create a system of all of these things, you're like, no, no, no. Like that's a psychologist that's going to in one psychology. They're going to in one the hell out of their psychology. Don't, don't claim that you can just make a system. Like I'll take care of that for him. Like that. I knew like, I was like, Hey, Caleb, we have this thing going on in my, in my brain when we've started working with you. I'm like, this is kind of a psychology thing. And yeah, I know deep a little bit down that rabbit hole enough to know that I shouldn't be there. And I got to shift your emphasis there. Remember, we talk about it in one a lot too, like fixing the limiter. Why are we not having success? Whatever our goal is, whether it's fat loss, getting stronger, why does my knee hurt? Whatever it is, we're trying to figure out what's limiting your progress. And I'm like, this is a big mental barrier. And it's in an area that's like, I have no business leading you down that rally because all, you know, so you have a lot of people are doing like these systematic, they build systems on areas that shouldn't have systems. You're like, no, they need to go over there in psychology and let that person really dig deep. They need a functional medical practitioner and dig deep into blood work. And that guy's been working for years in that. And that's all he does. He lives and breathes that stuff. He doesn't write exercise programs and cardio. And yeah, let him go there. There are very few people in the world that can wear many, many hats like that. Very few people in the world. Very few. I just find it so odd because it's like this insulting arrogance almost to think that we could do like that I as a coach just based on my leisurely reading of psychology could be a therapist despite the fact that there were people who have spent their entire lives studying this stuff Mm -hmm. and they might not be able they might have people that they have trouble with yes right that and it's every day who am I and you know what? But they have people that they mentor with too. Don't even think otherwise. Good psychologists will have their, hey, I'm going to call my professor from school and talk to him about this. Like that happened all the time in, in school. Like in, even in academia, you had professors that called their old professors like, I'm a little lost. Yes. That's another – yes. So as a – like knowing – once again, as a coach, even from the very beginning when we first met, I already set up parameters because if I'm going to be successful, I'm like, hey, I'm not the guy for this. And if you want that – no, I want you for training. Cool. I'm glad you want to hang around, but I'm just letting you know that this, this, what you really need and is limiting you is over here and we need to find somebody. And so like, I really think too, let me said, you know, like as a good coach, you're really triaging life, right? Where you, you see the limitations and you're like, Hey, let's, let's go. And as a, as you get better as a coach, you can get, you get more comfortable going in certain avenues. Like I feel a little bit more comfortable, like going in a little bit deeper in nutrition, but you're, but you're definitely like, hey, there's, there's something going on here, and we, we need to get somebody else involved, and I'm not afraid to ever pull that trigger at all, 
at all. And that's the thing too. I think a lot of the times as you get better and better and better, when you, like you said, like you know a little deeper in nutrition, mm -hmm. you can try something that, and you know that it's like, you know, if, for instance, like a simple thing, if someone sometimes has digestive issues or like they're, they're getting bloated a lot, I'll just tell them, Hey, let's for a few weeks, just lightly cook all of our vegetables. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how that goes. Like, that's not going to do anything dangerous. Mm -hmm. I'm not messing with the system. I'm not like, all right, what we're going to do is take this dose of natural antibiotics. <laughs> then we're going to go and repopulate your gut with this specific strain that I got from some you know, yeah. market down the street. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying, look, sometimes like we just have a little bit of trouble. Let's see if we can support it. But the thing is, as you go down those avenues, the goal is not to fix them. Mm -hmm. The goal is to understand the severity of what it is and see if it's like really something that we need a specialist to go like, you know, like if your digestion's really bugging you and it's just like bloating and you're not feeling good. And I'm like, Hey, why don't you just try drinking some water first thing in the morning? See how that feels. Okay, maybe we'll cook some vegetables, see how that feels. And it's like, no, nothing's changing. This is horrible. It's like, great, you should go see your doctor. Yeah. Right? Yes. Versus like if it gets better and, and they're feeling better, it's like, cool. Like let's monitor that and see how it feels. But often what I'll do is I'm just like also there is – it's unspoken how just training with adequate volume – and eating an adequate amount of food and like doing things adequately, meaning not way over the top or not doing them at all, really seems to let the body move into a nice place of health. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's you know, it's and, shocking. And, yes, it is. And I and I tell you what too, and, and you and you and you did say on that too, like as as you as you work with more and more clients and you start to really build your knowledge, Rach, I want to, you know, you, you can go a little bit deeper. I'm glad that you brought that up because trainers can still, you know, learn more and become really expand their knowledge in that. Um, and some, I, yeah, I, sorry. I don't want to, I'll go, I'll just leave it there. Caleb with that one. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to get off too top because you had to, I was like, Oh, I'm going to open up a whole can of worms because you had a couple more questions. I was like, Oh, I don't, yeah, let's just, we'll just leave it there. Cause there, yes. Yeah, I'm going to leave it there. We have seven or eight podcasts that are, you know, <laughs> potentially budding out of this that could really, uh, yeah, they yeah. would be inflammatory. Right, because I, I tell you what, too, like, as a coach, when when I, when let's say when there's something going on and I don't understand, like, the, okay, this is getting a little bit heavy, I double check all my boxes of what I really flip and know. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'm like, Hey, I'm a coach. I really understand how the workouts are supposed to be going. I really understand that like how sleep should be going. I really understand how the cardio should be going. And I'm like, let me dig into that first and see if I can find what my field, because if I'm, let me make sure that what I know, my knowledge base, I'm done everything that I can there with what I know. And by the way, as you become, that's what I wanted to say. As you coach more and more people and you become older in your training, you know, training more and more clients, you will, you'll start to know more, like, and you'll have more boxes that you're, you're going to be looking through and checking off. But always, even as a young coach, like just always go back to what, you know, this is really super complicated. Double check what you know, what you understand. Well, uh, I'm going to order blood work. Do you know how to read blood work? No. Then why would you order blood work? Well, I have them do their HRV. Do you know what the HRV is? Do you know what that does? Do you know, have you ever really like looked into those readings and understand what that means? No, but everybody studies HRV. Then who cares? If you don't understand what HRV is, get right. Don't even, why are you looking at that? Don't check that box. Get rid of that thing. Don't worry about that. Right. Monitor what you can.
the, the client comes in there like, I'm so stressed. I'm having all these things, crisis alert, crisis, all this stuff. And you're like, and then the coach is like, mm, but your HRV looks good. So let's keep pushing. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. like, now you're just like, you're Enabling. so myopically focused on one thing yes. when the client is telling you way more than what HRV ever would. And that's kind of, you know, and that could be another rabbit hole is like, I'm not sure that we have a lot of coaches that are really listening to people. Um, and uh, that's, but let's we'll get to that through bringing it back on track. Yeah, let's bring it back on track. Yeah, we could. Oh man, Caleb, we we just hanging out and talking, man. Let's 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 educate the world here, man. Yeah, <laughs> let's get back on track. So I come in, I have this, you know, messed up attitude towards food, and you know that's happened through miseducation. You know, having people educate me in an experiential way, right? Like I had learned to be afraid of eating more food, of tracking food, of doing these things. And I really had no idea of like where my maintenance calories were at, where any of these things were. And you, I go to you, there's some need for some psychological stuff. You tell me that. And I am kind of like, you knew like one thing that I had going for me <laughs> was that I really wanted this. I really yeah. like was passionate. I love fitness. I love moving. The N1 stuff was helping me in that way, but I really wanted these results um, because I had never had them before. And that's an interesting thing that we'll get to, but fast forward a little bit, we did succeed. We, I got lean and I think what is interesting about that is it's like, no, I wasn't like cover model lean. But more than lean though, too, we changed your whole attitude and you changed your life, Caleb. In this whole process of working together too, you even kind of look, you, we, at, with our check-ins together and we would talk each week, even I'm not just staring at like measurements and weight loss. I'm hearing your attitude towards the workouts and life. And I'm starting to go, you're going, hey, you know what? I think I'm really not happy at my job. And I'm going, this guy's reflecting so hard. He's even looking at his work life. He's like, I'm really wanting to make some changes. I'm like, this is going to – like he's trying to like – he's going to leave a job. Like he's going to change a career. I'm like, this dude's doing some complete overhauling of his life. I'm like, yeah, game on. I'm all in. Let's let's do this. Yeah. So there, there was a lot, lot going on there. So I'm trying to – I'm taking all that in. By the way, they don't teach that in school. There's no certification that teaches that, how to handle that. Like as a coach, you're, you got to monitor all that as that's coming in, you know. And those were all good things, you know. It was it was some stress you were bringing onto your life. But I'm like, no, dude. Like, you know how many people, like, take make a whole career change? Like, I got to get away from this. Like, my life is not good with where I am at right now. I am not happy. My job is not – I'm like, it's making me sick type stuff. I was like, that's a limiter. Like, let's go, man. Let's go. Absolutely. Big changes. I find it so interesting because like we're, we're now kind of getting into that listening component too, because something that I learned from you that I do with all of my clients and, you know, we can break apart our check-in processes because I think they're very similar because I've learned so much from you. But I mean, like I came from the place too with fitness of like Charles Poliquin and a few of his disciples were big in, and, and this makes sense because Charles Poliquin was working with athletes and they had big paychecks on the line. And the problem was that general pop people were taking these attitudes of like, no, shut up, do what I say, and get results. And that's the type of coaching that I thought was effective of like, look, you just need to do what I say, and we'll get you there. And I think that we know well that that doesn't create sustainable results, even if it creates results 
because then the person has relied on the coach way too much. And now the coach is gone and there's no one yelling at them to do things right. But two things that you did really, well, they're kind of building on each other. One, you have people write quite a bit in their check-ins. Like you're not just collecting data. You are wanting someone to answer a open-ended question. And I know from my work with you that the more I put into that, the more you got out of it and the more we would get out of it as a team. Yeah. So in the put that, let's put that in real simple terms. Like if I was teaching undergrads, if there's undergrads out there, I'm a professor that does essays. I don't do multiple choice. I'm an essay professor because an essay is going to prove what you know or, or an oral presentation. What do you know? Yeah. Are you, are you just going to come in hung over and check C on the box all the time? And I tell you what, I, my check-in, our check-in process is lengthy. It takes time to do them as a coach and it takes time for the person to do them, but I'm asking somebody to change their life. Can you give me 15 or 20 minutes each week? Seriously, man, sit down and like review your week and let me know what's going on. I like that written format, you know, and the more, and the thing is too, is I bet if you go back and you like look at weeks of success and you review every check-in, you'll be like, this is a two pager this week. We must be doing really good. And we are, you know, you would, you, oh man, this is going great. I did this and I made this change on my own. Like fantastic. It does take time. It, I know in a, in a society where things, people want things done faster and things like that. I just know. Too bad. If you're going to work with me, it's going to be lengthy and you're going to get lengthy responses too, by the way, on all of that, you know, and you do that too, but that, that I, I do, I do like that. And because nowadays there are other processes because technology is so advanced that people are doing like drop down boxes and clicks and points and they're like, is there, is there really a lot of thought in that? I like, I really want your answer. I like want you to think about that. Oh, on a scale of one to 10, it was a five. Oh, well, that's better than last week, I guess. Okay. No, like, what did you really do this week that that was better? Tell me about it. I, w- I value your input on that. Let, let, let's, 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 you know, yeah. I'm glad you noticed that about the check-ins. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And I use it. And I actually think that the reason that I really push people to do that is because, like, I want to listen to my clients. That's extremely important is to develop a relationship where they feel as though someone really cares on the other side of it Mm -hmm. and is trying to solve the problem with them as a team member with as much investment as they are. And what I love about the long form check-ins and making sure that we have people filling it out is I actually think the most valuable thing is not what they're writing, but it's like kind of the space in between, if that makes sense. So when I'm reading a block of text from someone it's not like, yeah, I'm paying attention to what they're saying, but they write with tone. It's like Charles Dickens isn't a great writer because of the content he conveyed, right? right. He's a great writer because of the way he did it. And yes. that's what all great writers did. And when the I'm tone, reading that's really good. Yes. I can feel like it's not, oh, so-and-so is telling me they're having a hard week. It's like, I know this person's having a hard week. I feel it. Or if they're excited, it's like, I know they're excited and we're in a good spot and we've achieved something. And to me, that's one of the most important things that you taught me is that the number one way to work with someone is to open space and allow them to live in that space. And then you are keeping the boundaries of like, what's fitness and how do we move within that space to create fitness in your life? Yes, exactly. That's 
in the words of Alan Jackson, I keep you in the nap in between the navigational beacons. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of his songs. Exactly. And yeah. and the beautiful thing is the more space that's there, the more someone learns to live within their life. Not not my life and not my limited idea of what their life is. Because it's always limited. It's just paper. Like I don't I don't have video calls with my clients often. Because then I would have the video call plus like 45 minutes that I'm talking to them in a video alone in my office, right? But that was something that I would credit our in our process that changed me the most. It was the ability to, and I remember saying things to you, I'd say like, I know that discipline and consistency are, and like if anyone's hearing me say that this now, that I know consistency and discipline are the keys to being successful in fitness. If people hear that now, based on what I normally say, which I think that that's bullshit, and it's just another extremism that we've adopted to make us feel comfortable with uncertainty. Um, but I would say those things to you and you would be like, no, like, nope, that's just not it. But you would hold space and allow me to ask those questions, make those mistakes, walk that path. And all you were doing was like, yeah, that's good. Let's just bring it back and and try again. Right. And then of course we have the common ground of like, have, like we're still doing training and working towards the goal. Right. But. And I always, I always tell like, if it, when I'm teaching a coach, let's take okay for example, and we can we can we can actually parlay this in just two lot. When I'm picking an exercise for somebody, and I start to put maybe like a squat or something, and I see them and I don't know much about them, but they say, "Oh, I can squat," and then I try to make them squat, and I go, "No, you can't squat. That ain't a good squat." So you're like, okay, you know what? For what I want to do right now, I, I need an exercise where you can just where Betty can come in and she can just work hard. But she and I would love her to be able to do that on the squat, but she can't do that right now. So I'm going to teach her to squat, and we're going to like go through that whole rigor, that whole thing. But I really need an exercise for her to work hard. So now I'm going to take her from the squat. I'm going to say, let's go leg press or leg extension. You know, so there's like certain regressions, I guess, in complexity. Well, that's that's life too. And when you when I'm setting up fitness goals, I can do that in nutrition too. Like there's regressions in complexity. You don't know how to use my fitness pal. I won't work with you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, you don't use my fitness pal. Let's regress, and I'm going to set up these navigational beacons. Okay, my fitness pal. No, that's not going to work for Betty. We're going to say like three meals a day, you know, and stuff like that. And like we're going to start to measure food with fists, or we're like, we're going to. Why don't you let me know what you eat, and let me into your life, and I'll start to dictate a couple of changes here. Okay. Well, first I don't eat breakfast. Okay. Change one. We're going to start to eat breakfast. So let's find something that you could eat for breakfast. What, what, what do you like? You know, I'm like, well, you got to have a protein or a carb. Hold on, hold on. We're just introducing a whole new thing to this person. Like, can I just get them eating first? You know, well, you know, I have fruit. I like a little bit of fruit. I was like, good. Okay. Now like in my brain, I'm like, I like meat. And fats for breakfast. And I can give you the whole palaquin reasons why we like meat and nuts for breakfast. There's nothing against carbs. You can have carbs for breakfast too. Don't get me wrong. But I can get all the science like, no, your first meal a day and then you're going to train at 10 a.m. We got to do this. No, I'm going to regress that complexity. And I'm going to be like, can we have some cut up cantaloupe for breakfast? Does that sound good? I love cantaloupe. Well, there you go. Okay. So now I got her eating for breakfast and now we'll go from there. 
right? So I'm setting up those navigational beacons in their life and trying to get, and I'll get to the, the cool fancy shit. You know what? Let's get up in the morning and let's have some apple cider vinegar with a protein shake, you know, like, <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever we're doing. Stare you know? at the sun for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Let's stare at the sun for 20. Oh, Caleb, we could. <laughs> oh, Caleb. Um, yeah. But yeah. It's um, minus 40. It gets to minus 40 here. So I'm like cold exposure all the way. I just go for a naked walk in the morning with my eyes wide open. Yeah, doing those uh, ice baths help. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Help. Yeah. Don't do those every day, by the way. If you're out there, don't do those every day. <laughs> don't do those every day. Yeah, don't go out in minus 40 without clothes. Yeah. That, yeah. Well. Yeah. This concludes part one of my interview with Coach Adam Miller. I want to keep these podcasts shorter and digestible, and I know this one already went a little longer than normal, but uh, it is definitely worth it. So part two will drop on Friday, May 5th. So stay tuned and keep an eye out for that. Thank you for listening to the Experience Oriented Fitness Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and found it valuable, please share it with the people in your life that you think would benefit from this information. If you don't have anyone in mind, I encourage you to take a screenshot of the episode, throw it up on your favorite social media feed, and if that happens to be Instagram, tag me with the handle at Coach Caleb K. Lastly, I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect. Send me a question about the episode or your favorite part of the episode via DM on Instagram at Coach Caleb K. Until next time.